Hi, I'm Tony Rivera. I serve as the Director of Educational Assessment at Marion University, and welcome to this episode of Data Talk. Whether you are staff, faculty, or a student, you know that there can be so much fatigue when it comes to assessment. You are asked to complete so many things, but often never hear back about the findings and how findings are used on campus. Data Talk seeks to highlight the people on campus involved in assessment, the people who read your responses to various assessments, and use data to inform curricular and co-curricular improvements. Our guest today is Adam Setmeyer. Adam serves as the Vice President of Mission and Ministry and Director of Campus Ministry at Marion University. He earned his bachelor's degree in youth ministry from Huntington University in Indiana and his master's degree in theology from the Catholic Theological Union in Chicago. And through all his efforts in youth, high school, and college ministry, he has made significant contributions to student learning and development. Adam Setmeyer, welcome to Data Talk. Hey, it's good to be here, Tony. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Adam, we're going to discuss some findings from the SEMA New Student Survey. But before we get into talking about, I just have a couple of questions to help me and the listener learn more about you and your work. Sounds good. So I'm interested in learning more about your experience at Huntington. So as an undergraduate student, you go on different service learning trips over spring break. You served in places like Philadelphia, Jacksonville, and Jamaica. What did you learn from those experiences, and how has that informed your professional work? Absolutely. I should say, too, right at the very beginning, that I'm actually not the director of campus ministry uh, any longer, so we probably need to update our website. That's what I just learned right there. (laughs) We have the executive director of university ministry is an awesome guy, Scott McNamee, on our team. And so I just have the vice president title. Okay. Now, going to your question, my experience at Huntington was incredibly formative. It's a fantastic school. It is very different than Marion, but for where I was at the time and the quality of education that I got there, I mean, it really, really impacted me. A couple of those experiences that you mentioned were some of the reasons why. Those cross-cultural experiences, similar to some of our own alternative break programs or study abroad programs or global studies programs that we have at Marion, those made a real deep, lasting impact on me. Uh, Also, not to mention that I met my future wife on the mission trip to Jamaica freshman Mm -hmm. year. So there's other impacts that were made as well. But the impact really comes down to two things is one, like many people, though not all, I grew up in a somewhat homogenous environment. And so the opportunity to do cross-cultural immersion impacted me that way, to be with, to learn from people who had different life experiences, backgrounds, races, and ethnicities than myself. Belief systems really, really had a huge impact on me. And then as a Catholic Christian, the opportunity to try to live out my faith and do the things that I believe Christ has called me to do in a very real way impacted me as well, both spiritually and emotionally, but also intellectually, to really understand, as I believe Jesus did, the hurts and the longings of humanity and society. Those things then have an impact on my educational experience. And I think that's exactly what happened at Huntington and through some of those experiences as well. 
Very cool. Thank yeah. you. And then you served as the assistant director of university ministry at Lewis University in Illinois, where you coordinated retreats and social justice education. And what stood out to me in 2010, a devastating earthquake hits Haiti, killing over 200,000 people and impacting millions. And you led the campus-wide effort, Hope for Haiti, at Lewis University. Can you talk to me about that effort and the impact you were able to have on Haiti as well as the university? Yeah. And any good university-wide effort, there was obviously a pretty amazing team involved in that response. I remember that earthquake in Haiti, for some reason or another, really affected our campus environment at that time. And people were longing for an opportunity to just some human processing of the event, a longing to have some sort of contribution on the event, even though we were so far removed from its more immediate effects. And so we had a group of students, faculty and staff, organize some events, and it included a local Haitian man come speak on campus who could give first-person testimony to the culture and the experience down there, what his relatives, what his former co-workers were attesting to the situation being, and then opening our eyes to how we could make an impact there. And that was honestly, it was just one of many in that social justice education role in university ministry at Lewis. I met so many amazing people and learned about so many different issues around the world. And then trying to figure out how to help our students at Lewis learn about those same topics and reflect upon them through our Catholic social teaching. You know, that was the real fun and difficult work that our tradition has, maybe something unique to offer the reflection. And then also, I'm always interested in people's work with clubs and organizations. At Lewis, you play a big role in the creation of the What If group which sought to build bridges between students of different faiths and work mm-hmm. together for social justice. What were, what were some of the accomplishments and challenges you experienced working with that group? The What If group grew out of a national organization founded by Ibu Patel, the Interfaith Youth Corps is what it was called. I think they really just go by Interfaith Corps now because they don't work with just youth any longer which is Chicago-based, but it's really an amazing group. And before What If, I had already been the advisor of our Muslim Student Association at Lewis University. And so they kind of go together in my mind. But part of what What If encouraged, IFYC, Interfaith Youth Corps, encouraged was to do dialogue around service and justice. So actually, just as a background, former Pope in the Catholic Church, Benedict XVI, talks about interreligious dialogue and how there's dialogue of experience, there's dialogue of justice, there's the dialogue that takes place in liturgy and prayer, and there's the dialogue that is more academic theology, if you will. And so in some ways, this focused on that the second one, the service, but also prayer and reflection as well. So we did some work particularly on immigration reform. And so there's a justice issue. But what we did is we organized interfaith reflection and prayer services focused on immigration reform. 
at the time, it was around when DACA and the DREAM Act was coming to be. And so there was really something tangible being debated in Congress to reflect on and pray for. And so that's exactly what we did, which was really powerful. The tricky thing, it's again the exciting thing, but the tricky thing is doing interfaith prayer and reflection is always exciting. And it's always delicate. You learn so much about any assumptions you have in regards to how other religious traditions pray. It's really exciting. I've attended a synagogue. I've attended services in mosques. And those are sort of participant observers' experiences, if you will. I can't rightfully pray as a Jewish person or a member of the Jewish faith, nor as a member of Islam, but to kind of witness that. And then to try to bring students together was really fun. Now I'm curious about moving into Marion. So Mm -hmm. I know you've been really involved with our strategic plan when it comes to mission and identity. And I know that there are some objectives when it comes to serving our student Mm -hmm. athletes at Marion. And I'm just curious, what are you and your team doing to help our student athletes discover how their talents can have a positive impact in their communities? So... At Marion, right, it close to about 50% of the traditional undergraduate students are student athletes. In Scylla, I think it's closer to 80% of the undergraduate students are student athletes. The key thing that we have realized, we've known this for a long time, but we're approaching it maybe a little bit differently, is can't do ministry in a come-to-me way with student athletes. It's a bad version of ministry in general, but it really doesn't work with the complex and the very busy schedules of student athletes. And so the approach we're taking is more integrative. And so the idea is to meet the student athletes where they are through a program called Athletic Chaplaincy. And programmatically, what it consists of is identifying student chaplains for each team who can lead prayers and reflections during practices and before games to identify faculty and or staff persons who can be a resource for the coaches and the amazing work that they're doing. But when students have particular needs that impact their faith, these individuals can be a resource for them. And then also to engage our athletic teams in two service projects a year is a goal. The good news is Our student-athletes are coming to campus just like our larger student body. This is a time of spiritual growth and exploration, the four years that they're going to be at Marion. They're coming, and their coaches have awesome hearts for service and caring for the needs of others. So we're not trying to do something that's not already there. We're trying to help the coaches, help the students really achieve what's already in their hearts and We do this in a way that we hope is approachable for everybody, but in particular brings that sense of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, as well as a way to facilitate that spiritual growth and as a way to ground those moments of service as well. And then I also know that Marion was recently awarded a $1.2 million grant from Lilly Endowment. What can you tell us about the current status of this project and what's on the horizon for that? So that one was the Fraternitas grant, and that came out of Lilly's uh, religion division focused on Christian parenting and caregiving. And so the whole goal was to empower parents to pass on their 
Christian faith to their children. And so our program, Fraternitas, is focused on dads, actually, particularly in the Catholic Church. There aren't a lot of programs that support fathers and passing on their faith. There's not a ton for mothers either, but there are more for mothers than there are for fathers. And then as we were doing the research, you know, really interesting research on the fact that if a dad is not involved in the, the spiritual life, of their children, it's very unlikely that the child takes up the faith. At the same time, the majority of Catholic teenagers report having never having a spiritual faith-based conversation with their dad. So there's this huge discrepancy between what we know helps pass on the faith and, and what is actually happening. And so we've created this program that's going to help dads It really will help any dad, but like everything we do, it will come from our Catholic faith and tradition. It'll help dads develop what we call the habits of the household, so develop these habits for passing on their faith. We're going to create local communities of support for dads to get together and support each other and grow together. And then we're actually going to be hosting dad camps on campus for fathers and children to attend together. And where we're at on that is, as far as the habit building goes, we are creating an app that will help with that. And so actually in ongoing conversations with app developers, though nothing's been finalized, we're getting close. We have a dad camp scheduled for May, 2024, just a day camp, really excited about that. And we're working on, we have interviews going on regularly, looking for the first director of that program. So it's really exciting. Yeah. Wow. That sounds exciting. Very cool. Well, moving into why we're here. So for this episode, we will be discussing findings from the 2023 Association of Catholic Colleges and Universities Catholic Identity and Mission Assessment, Mm -hmm. or SEMA New Student Survey. So the SEMA New Student Survey was administered throughout September of 2023. And this survey was administered internally to all of our first-year students at Marion, which includes first-year students at Indianapolis, Ancilla, St. Joseph's, and online. And findings provide valuable information about new students' experiences in high school and their current perceptions. And we will just be discussing some aggregate findings from this survey because Adam and I have been working closely on this and sharing findings with his team and with the University Council recently. So, Adam, I want to start by sharing three findings and then asking a question of you, you know, when it comes to your role as the Vice President of Mission and Ministry. Mm -hmm. So, of the 172 respondents, 55% indicated that they had never attended a Catholic school before. Also, new students were asked to indicate how important various reasons were in their decision to attend Marion, and overall only 43% indicated that the religious orientation of Marion was very important. And then on a scale from 1 to 7, new students were asked to rate how well-developed they were in different areas, and knowledge of the teachings of the Catholic Church was the lowest-rated item with an average below four on that scale. So my question is, how do you and your team support and engage students at Marion who have maybe never attended a Catholic school before, may not necessarily have been drawn to our Franciscan mission, and may not be very knowledgeable about Catholic teachings. 
Before I answer the question, I just want to say thanks for your help and administering uh, the survey. It takes a lot of work, but I've been really excited about the results as you've been able to present the findings to more people. People are responding, I think, in a really positive way, meaning that it, even if the results are challenging, it's exciting to have the data figure out how we can better support our students. So the question is, if I understood it right, is... How do we support students knowing that they're coming to a Catholic Franciscan school that's not really the number one reason they're coming, and they're coming with not a lot of knowledge? And so, well, I think there's a few different aspects to my answer. Two of those aspects are, one, what is mission and ministry and the staff on our team doing? The other is, in my role as vice president, it really looks out not just what my staff is doing, but how to help the entire university respond to this. And to take one more step back, I would say this part of the data didn't surprise me at all. This has actually felt like it just confirming what our experience, our anecdotal evidence was. And so I suppose that's good. Now, whether or not what we're doing is perfect or anything like that. But we also were aiming towards the right target, if you will, for who we thought our students were. And so with the team, mission and ministry specifically, I think one of the responses is it comes from this place of also knowing what is our mission, the mission of Catholic higher education, what's the mission handed on to us by the Sisters of St. Francis Oldenburg. And a piece of that is we both want to work from our tradition and our Franciscan sponsorship values and the Catholic faith, we want to work from that. And whether or not our students know anything about that tradition or it's why they're coming here, it changes how we approach our students. That's where the Franciscan sponsorship values in particular come in, that because of our tradition, we're going to approach every student with care for their dignity as individuals. We're going to promote justice and peace to make sure that all of our students have an equitable experience on campus. The next level is we design our programs, particularly for university ministry, which is those staff who are focused on the student experience, because the office itself is quite diverse, is the way we design our programs is they are always built from the Catholic tradition. But we try to design them in a way that would be approachable to the wider student body as well. So if we take, for example, our most Catholic program that we have, it shouldn't really even be called a program, but is putting together the Catholic Mass Sundays and weekdays. And at Marion, we have that unique tradition of eight or so all-campus Masses a year where we close offices and we cancel classes for the hour of the Mass. To the general public, they're not as widely noticed. We try to do some small things that make even that as friendly as possible, approachable as possible to our students from a variety of traditions. We send out emails. My most recent email, the message mentioned the feast day was focused on Mary. Mary herself was a woman of Jewish faith. Hanukkah is going on at the same time, and I tried to draw a connection between Mary and the celebration of Hanukkah, which I think presents this approachability. 
If you attend our liturgies, we have a worship aid that provides all the responses and also the different postures that one would take during Mass. And so, hypothetically, you can attend the Mass with no prior knowledge of what to do or say or whatever at a given moment during the liturgy, and you'll have this printed document that makes it possible. In the background to that, which I think is really getting to your question, is we started last year some really awesome work with Holly Gassano Grimes, Tyler Paul, focus on the first year experience. And what we call it is actually a Franciscan pilgrimage that happens during the first year seminar. And it, it's two or three weeks worth of activities. They presume no knowledge of the Franciscan and Catholic traditions, but are introducing students to those, which it's been a really amazing experience. And those are great partners to work with. And so we do three things with all our first year students now is we have them engage in Franciscan service. Amanda Scanameo, who's awesome on our team, puts together a service project for all first-year students. That's a key part of being Franciscan, and she explains why that's a key part. We bring all the students to the St. Joseph's Chapel, where we have amazing windows of people who had experienced moments of conversion when they're about the age of our college students. And so we do a discernment activity. We reflect on those lives, and then we have them reflect on their own stories of calling, wherever those might be. And then while they're in the chapel, we're able to say a little bit word or two about what it means to be a Catholic Franciscan university. And then Sister Mary Beth, who's the vice president for mission integration, she has a sort of panel with those who have dedicated their lives to the way of Francis and Claire and tells those stories to our students. And so, again, those three activities lay a really good foundation for what a Catholic Franciscan education is all about. But going in, we don't presume our students know anything. And then the approach to it, though, is we believe this is a beautiful tradition, too. And so while we don't expect our students to know much about it coming in, our hope is that the students grow and at very least an appreciation for it, that they can see, even if they're not Catholic or Franciscan, how this could be, or Christian or claim any faith tradition, how our tradition could be of a benefit to them and help them in their academic journey at Marion. And then at the very best, they see our passion and love for it. They see how it's changed our lives. I mean, really changed our lives as a faculty and staff. And they start to ask the question, maybe deeper questions even about, oh man, what, what could this mean for my life as well? And those are maybe the parts that we get most excited about. I mean, it definitely seems like this group that's coming in based on the findings, I mean, definitely value the dignity of the individual, mm -hmm. and there's definitely that willingness to learn, and I think it's very admirable. I would think people in your position, that maybe it's not uncommon for them to say, well, this is the type of institution that we are, we need to recruit this type of student, or we're going to offer this type of programming. And, you know, you seem really, and your team, really want to serve all the students and really support them in their learning. And another question that stood out 
new students were asked, how frequently did you do the following over the past two years? Mm -hmm. So again, this was administered September of their first year. So for most, we're talking more about high school with this question. And, And the response options were frequently, occasionally, once or briefly, and not at all. And close to 70% of first-year respondents said that they discussed religion with people whose views differed from theirs, either frequently or occasionally. And I'm just curious, how do you and and your team not only encourage students to engage in these discussions, but also support them as they're engaging in these discussions with students on campus? I know for me, growing up, Talking about religion was one of the things like don't yeah. talk about yeah, that. Yeah, for you sure. Know? So, and I think uh, I think the data shows that's where our students are coming yeah, from yeah. as well. That might be one of the things that Marion as a whole, not just my office, is trying to show the students maybe a different way of being. Is that, and this very much comes from the Catholic Franciscan tradition which is religion is actually not a private matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a very public matter. And now then how to dialogue about it in a way that is generative and is positive and a civil, that's hard work, especially if what you're taught whether explicitly or implicitly is just not to talk about it. So then to talk about it, There can be awkward moments at time, which this comes from a personal place for me, I guess I would say, is going back to some of your earlier questions, is I have the good fortune of taking a class at CTU called Abraham's Children, and it was actually taught by one of our faculty at Catholic Theological Union, so you can guess what tradition he came from. It was also taught, co-taught, by a local Muslim imam and a Jewish rabbi. So three instructors, one course. The course was cross-listed at an Islamic school and a Jewish university as well. And so the student body was quite diverse, too. Really different than Huntington, I might add. And what was great is we had three sort of wise figures in that room who were leading the students through conversations on delicate topics and could help us when we stumbled a little bit. So our students, likewise, are coming to campus, and they don't have this experience. The next thing that often happens, I would say, is we kind of teach our students culturally, not at Marion, I'm saying the U.S. culture as a whole, is do interfaith dialogue by not necessarily claiming your own faith tradition. Does that make sense? And so if you think of like a state school, There might be a lot of faiths talking to each other, and you might be talking about religious issues, but you don't often talk about those from a place of personal conviction, that I'm a believer in X, Y, or Z, whether it would be Christianity, Islam, Judaism, or I'm a believer in this particular ideology or, or philosophical tradition, and I think what Marion offers is because we so firmly root ourselves in the Catholic Franciscan tradition is that we offer the opportunity for students to talk about their own faith from a place of personal conviction. And that's when interreligious dialogue can actually happen. 
It's like if I have somebody over to my house who's not Catholic or Christian, and so to make a hospitable environment for them, I were to go around to the house and take down the crucifix that's on our entryway. We have a quote from Mother Teresa, take that off the walls and, you know, make the house devoid of our actual faith tradition. But actually really getting to know Adam or Andrea, my wife, or my kids, or who we are, because we've removed all these important things about who we are. If we did that at Marion, one option to make an interreligious environment would be, okay, well, let's remove our Catholicism or our Franciscanism so that everybody just feels the word that's often used is comfortable. The problem then that happens, though, is we don't actually name our own tradition, and so we can't have a dialogue Mm -hmm. on faith and tradition. So we claim our tradition as a university. Our hope is that our students claim their own tradition, and we try to facilitate what I think becomes a more meaningful dialogue in that way. The class that I mentioned earlier with Holly and Tyler and all those instructors, I think certainly does that, as well as other places. You know, also in, you know, when we were looking through the results, I did a comparison of San Damiano scholars and college seminarians, which made up about 30% of Indianapolis respondents, compared that group to all other Indianapolis respondents. And we definitely saw some significant differences when it came to their experiences and perceptions. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about this group that you didn't know before, or maybe what did it reinforce about this group? That's a great question. One thing, the creation of both San Damiano Scholars and the Brute Seminary, which is a collaborative effort between Marion and the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, one of the reasons I'm told that those programs were created was to be a sort of leaven on campus, which is the biblical Mm -hmm. image of being yeast. And so what that means to me is that the differences, what they show are, they kind of reinforce the importance of San Damiano scholars and the Brute seminarians, if you will, because in ministry or Marian as a whole, we can create all the programs or classrooms, assignments, et cetera, that we want, and students will participate or not participate in those. But where the faith really comes alive on campus is in relationship with one another. Relationships between faculty and staff, with faculty and staff and students, but also relationships among students themselves. If it were not for the San Damiano Scholars Program, the Brute Seminarians, and that program, one thing the data shows is we'd be missing a really important part of our student body, which is those who are coming with some interest in education in our Catholic Franciscan tradition. And so if that were removed, we would have lost some of the robustness of the interreligious dialogue, the dialogue of faith and experience that would be happening on campus. With our San Damiano scholars, with the seminarians, the data also shows me that there is this phrase called missionary discipleship. And so both of these programs and the language of our current Pope, Pope Francis, he would say are forming missionary disciples. Well, when you dig into 
missionary discipleship. And when you read what Pope Francis says about that, let alone the popes that came before him and other brilliant theologians, is two things is that, one, missionary work always begins in dialogue. It never begins by speaking first. And so for those students, I think being on a diverse campus, they also, if the student body was all San Damiano scholars or all seminarians, they'd also lose out on what is an awesome experience of being able to dialogue with and learn from students who think differently than them and have different religious experiences. The other piece is that Francis always talks about accompanying uh, or walking with, journeying with others is the key mode of missionary discipleship. And so I think, again, for the Sandam scholars, for the seminarians, what the diversity of campus, what it really provides is an opportunity to learn how to walk with, again, others who are amazing and gifted and talented and full of the dignity of God and have different life experiences or beliefs than them. And that's really going to enrich their future ability to live out their vocations in whatever fields it may be or, or ministry fields they end up claiming. The Marian experience is going to empower it. If anything, too, creating opportunities, and this is not just in mission and ministry, but I think what Marion does really well under the leadership of Ruth Rogers, Dean Candlish, is we provide opportunities for encounter on campus. I know we talked about it a little bit from the survey, but we've presented a ton of different (laughs) figures and tables. And I'm just curious, is there anything else that stood out to you from the SEMA New Student Survey overall? Yeah, this is when you and I have dialogued a little bit on the side about, so I'll bring it up, which is in those same questions in regards to what are you interested in learning about, I think those are on a seven-point scale. Oh, it's a five-point because the top marks are very interested, interested, and then the third one is somewhat interested, then it's not interested, and then I forget even what the bottom category is. And you and I have been dialoguing a little bit about what difference does it make to include the somewhat interested? Do you include it in the category of there's interest with the top two, or do you include it in the category of the uninterested because it's not really displaying a lot of passion around it. And I think my preference is is to include it in the top two because from the ministerial perspective or the perspective of our university's Catholic Franciscan tradition, what it says to me, for lack of a better term, is the door is a little bit open to have the conversation. And when you do that, when you combine those data pieces, what you see then is for the majority of Marian students, the door is open to have conversations about our Catholic Franciscan tradition. And then combine that with some of the earlier points that we were discussing is they're not choosing Marian because of its Catholic Franciscan identity, except for we know Sandoms and Brute students are. They're not coming to campus with a lot of knowledge about the things that we would say are core 
to what it means to being a Catholic Franciscan tradition. And if you didn't have the next set of data points, if you just stopped there, the response might be, well, okay, I guess we shouldn't talk about it. Or, you know, maybe we should avoid it because it might offend them. And we are an enrollment-driven institution. So what might that mean for enrollment if we mention Catholicism too much? But then you add in the other data points in this openness is what I would describe it as. What that does is it, it gives all the more reason for a different response that as a Catholic Franciscan university, as an institution of faith who truly believes in the societal changing and the life-changing impact of these beliefs in Jesus Christ, these beliefs in Catholic social teaching, the power of prayer, the way that believing sacramentally that God reveals God's self through all things, that these are life-changing things and our students are open ever so slightly then the onus is on us to engage in that conversation, but also to do it extremely well. And that comes with our excellent theology faculty, that those required theology courses, that those engage students in a way that really draws them in to learn more. The experiences with Tyler and Holly and the first year seminars that we know they're open, but we can't go into those and have something that's just a lecture and is boring and is non-engaging. And so we've tried to create experiences that are quite the opposite through service and personal stories and reflection and looking at beautiful art. And so to keep that conversation going and putting a lot of thought and energy into those first moments of exposing students to our rich tradition once they're on campus. I remember one item set the top two rated items that were hopefulness about the future and their hunger for learning. And yeah. it just seems like reading the comments and looking at the data, I mean, it just seems like a really cool group of students that we have. They're yeah. amazing. I think like so many people, our students are what draw me to work every day or what get me really excited about the new day, each new day here at Marion. Adam, thank you for making time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. To the Marion students, faculty, and staff listening, if you have any questions about the SEMA New Student Survey or would like to discuss findings further, please feel free to contact Adam or mm -hmm. contact me. And also to the listeners, Marion recently finished administering the HEADS Diversity and Equity Campus Climate Survey in October of 2023. So I hope to be able to discuss that soon on future episodes. But if you have any thoughts about assessment findings that you would like to discuss on future episodes, please let me know. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Data Talk.